So this is going to be our last uh, show before Good Beer Week. That's pretty crazy. It, time flies. I reckon. So, uh, well, so I mean, have you been doing anything fun? Because I've been like sort of just hermiting in preparation for Good Beer Week. I've kind of been hermiting. Uh, last night I spent a good amount of time watching bad YouTube review videos. Oh, I don't know why you do this to yourself. And, uh, and then I spent most of the evening afterwards impersonating the, the videos. Well, uh, the okay, well, at least you've got a positive from like a, what I would consider a pointless experience. Yeah, I'm a bit of a sucker for the terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's why you chose me as a co-host, right? Uh, <laughs> well... everyone. Hey Dave. Morning. And we'll welcome our guest into the studio. Dave, you want to have a crack at saying his last name? So um, Just a guess. Is it Chris Manichelli? Yeah. I yes. Guess. I said it not, not, not five seconds ago, but yes, yeah. that is I correct. Correct I pronunciation. I, I didn't yes. demand the recording <laughs> stuff or anything so I could get it right before we go to air. So the secrets <laughs> of the pre-podcast. <laughs> We're just letting everyone behind the curtain, aren't we? Um, so how's it going, Dave? Very well. I'm uh, feeling good. It's a nice day outside, which is just a break from the norm with miserable lately i've had about three weeks of rain i know it's really harsh in the buzz is it affecting you it's affecting my microphone it seems it doesn't want to stay in the oh, in really? one place uh, I maybe think i'll just riff until you get that sorted i think we're okay that. now okay cool uh you went to the moon dog opening recently yeah on uh was it thursday it wasn't that long ago uh yeah i did i went to it it's pretty cool it's a pretty relaxed sort of place it's like added a fourth leg to the already famous Richmond crawl of a Wednesday through Friday. So once you've been to Slow Beer, Goat and the Royster and you can head to pop down to Moondog and cap off a famous night. Have you uh, had a chance to get along? Yet, I did actually. I went on uh, Friday nights uh, and it was it was good, really good, nice feel. Um, apparently it wasn't as busy as the Thursday. Apparently it was pretty pretty hectic on the Thursday. It was nice and chilled, tables, comfortable. It's kind of what you want though. Couches, I reckon that'd be yeah. a good time to go down. Yeah, definitely. So. No, it was great. Comfy couches, uh, they give you free popcorn whenever you request mm. it, and they just plonk yeah. it down from time to time when they haven't got anything to do there. So, so that's just they've got a popcorn machine that they have running the yeah. whole time. Oh yeah, so like behind the bar, you go, oh, I want a Henry Ford and some popcorn, please. Great, and um, yeah, I like both of those things. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's fine, and also I guess it probably slows down a little bit of drunkenness as well. Mm. So it's really good from that perspective as well. Do they? they had, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. They had a food truck there on... Yeah, they had Pizza Wagon on Thursday. I don't know what they had. They on. had... Well, I thought it was... I think it was Los Gringos, and which I would imagine is Mexican. That would but um, they brought across past our table a plate of what we thought was corn, but it was bok choy. So, I don't know. I was a little confused by what <laughs> they were <laughs> actually doing. Thematically <laughs> confused. I was adamant yeah. it was corn. It wasn't corn. It was bok choy. Bok so. choy. Right. Okay. Go bok, figure. Bok choy from a food truck is yeah. interesting. Yeah. And also, how was it pretty dark? Um, but I mean, bok choy and corn don't look... Oh, well, I guess it was corn. <laughs> like How many jumping the shops <laughs> had you had at this point? Yeah. Corn, well, it was it was from a good, you know, it was dark and it was about <laughs> five, ten metres away as yeah, they walked right. past. But we were trying to work it out. It wasn't corn. Definitely wasn't corn. But the uh, pizza wagon pizza was pretty enjoyable. I put it down with uh, maximum enjoyment. So, yeah, it's kind of a cool little relaxed area. I like it. And also, like, Love Tap tastes great when it's super, super fresh. So. Mm. 
Yeah, that was that was cool. Cool. Uh, we've also mentioned we are sharing a beer at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's the Stone and Wood Stone Beer, which is their limited release. It comes out every year. They uh, brew it with um, rocks from Fiji. I think they got them, and they heat the rocks up and whack them into the boil, and that caramelizes um, some of the the wort, and you end up with this sort of darker beer, uh, darker than previous years. This yeah, one. absolutely. It's also like I just—it's not as sweet as I thought it would be. It's got like a little bit of a sort of a savoury characteristic to it, which I quite like. It's quite dry as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's, drink. it's like six point nine percent as well, so it doesn't, it doesn't taste, taste like that. that. No, it tastes like about four, four point eight perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and I should mention they um, they did send this out, out as a, a, a bit of a gift. So thanks to those guys. Um, it should be by the time we release this, probably. Oh, you've already on had shelves. it by now, surely. Yeah, if you've yeah. listened to this, yeah. Uh, when is this going to get released, by the way? Maybe tomorrow. Okay. Depending on my schedule. Happy Mother's Day for yesterday, every mother listening. Or when oh, you're... Oh, I can't imagine that would be a high demographic, would it? Mothers? Mothers? I don't know. If you're a mother, shoot us an email. Oh, We'd love to hear flooding from you. you. <laughs> all right. All right, um, let's kick into it. All right, well, uh, a couple of things we mentioned off-air that I wanted to discuss. The first one was a robbery at Cantillon in Belgium, one of the um, probably most famous and most interesting breweries out there. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, about six minutes ago before, before we came right. on air. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically it seems like someone that the brewery knows went in and walked out with a whole lot of beers. Um, apparently they're not all Cantillon beers. Apparently they had some other vintages of random stuff that they... How was that ascertained? Like, how did they know that? Look, there's a, a, an allegedly a list floating around uh, of all the beers that were were taken and the the list included some non-Cantillon beers. I haven't seen the list. Uh, uh, people that have seen it are keeping it sort of under wraps. Um, Is it because the person that did it was caught and they found the beers or because they knew what beers were missing from the spot? They knew what beers were missing and they they had an idea of who it was. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And cool. there was also another rumour that it was one of the Amphora. So they got this big sort of wine Amphora, those ancient um, vases kind of thing and they're fermenting a lot of beer in those there's a sort of a scientific reason I can't remember why um, there was a, a rumour that it was one of those that had been stolen as well but I imagine that'd be pretty hard to steal because mm. they're heavy and big yeah and what does an M4 hold how much does it hold I have no idea right. we didn't see them when we were there which is a shame because I would have liked to see I would have liked to have seen an M4 yeah. I'm just enjoying saying that word I've never seen um, so that's interesting. Uh, not too often we get you get heists in the. Uh, no, no, I wish uh, it happened more. I think there's been a couple. Um, one truck got ripped off in the states. I can't remember what, what beer it was, but there was a bit of a heist well, goat, here. A few years ago, didn't Goat have uh, a heap of stock stolen off the back of a Ute or something? like really? that? Really? And then Burley, their Gabs beer a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was pe- people sort of yeah, like just yeah. brushed that under the rug and yeah, yeah. didn't really want to yeah. mention anything about it. But yeah, it really came out as to what happened to it. But I think it just kind of disappeared at some point between you know Burley Heads and, <laughs> and and the Tap House, I guess. That's um, so. Where do you think the people stealing those knew what they were doing, or they just saw a keg oh, and grabbed geez. it? Maybe just opportunistic. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I would have thought so. Know. And they were probably disappointed because it wasn't a Cult keg and Carlton draft. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they used it as a footstool, I reckon. Apparently, a lot of importers have issues as well with stock going missing once it comes through customs. Um, if you work out a system, though, why wouldn't you do it all the time? 
Oh, stealing if things. You know what, <laughs> if you know what you've got, <laughs> man. Um, I've seen those TV shows. So you're saying you, you just want to start stealing things? I said earlier I want to solve a crime, so uh, I'd okay. like to actually work this out and solve your <laughs> commit a crime just to solve it. <laughs> just perfect, isn't it? <laughs> you could be the hero. The I'm other the villain. <laughs> really interesting court case, wouldn't it? Yeah. Not really. I no, 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 no. You found yourself yeah. out. Um, the other thing to come out of Belgium was a group of brewers, including the uh, the brewer from Cantillon, um, the head brewer there came out with a open letter to other breweries uh, calling them out for marketing and um, you know contract brewing and saying they're not real brewers and uh, they're trying to get a I think UNESCO protection on Belgian beer culture so they're trying to sort of you know protect what the word brewer means or the word brewery means and all that which I thought was interesting um, they didn't use the word contract they use the word marketing a lot more so I think it's more it's interesting because I guess Belgian, a lot of Belgian beers, like even the ones that have been around for so long, like Delirium, it's not brewed by Delirium Brewery. It's, you know, and mm. they kind of have a brand and a label and then the brewery often you don't quite know, with the exception of, you know, obviously the Abbey ones, the Trappist ones. So, yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. Well, there's Van Steenberg, which does Yeah, it does a lot, of, a lot of them, yeah. Um, and yeah. I think if you say Van Steenberg to a lot of people, they don't know the name. Mm. They know Guldendrak or... Yeah. Pirat, but not the actual brewery. Was there like an event that triggered this response from No, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know. If anyone has any more insight. Because like, what would they be trying to outlaw? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because anyone that does contract brew would just probably find a way around whatever they're like crying about and satisfy them that way, wouldn't they? I read through it and went, I'm not really sure what the point is. Um... Because would that like limit the use of Belgian yeast strains to Belgium? Is I, th- that what I think it's limiting maybe the use of Belgian beer or the, the terms around it. Um, right. So kind of like champagne, I guess they want to okay. protect it and make sure. So it wouldn't change it. Like it just change the perception of what non-Belgian beer is if they've got that particular moniker. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another uh, contract brewery in Belgium. Sort of replied and said, you know gave basically the reasons that he rankers for, for contract brewing mm-hmm. being a good thing um, so yeah a little well, bit De, well, De Prof, are you guys familiar with Deprof? yep yeah they do a lot of McKellar stuff they do a lot of Brewdog stuff possibly well maybe not anymore they might have at one point because now Brewdog's got a huge facility but mm. um, a lot of McKellar stuff comes out of Deprof, and he yeah. just is a massive this massive contract brewer I think there's more McKellar beers mm. out of Deprof yeah. than there is their yeah. own probably yeah. Um, I, I compared the list the other day I don't count them because that's going too far but <laughs> I looked at them and went yeah no well, comparing users are untapped and comparing <laughs> that's not going too far at all but yeah <laughs> um, yeah so interesting things I think you know Belgium has such a, a strong tradition that they want to make sure while everyone's sort of catching up to their tradition they want to make sure it's protected I guess and it makes sense because camera in the UK has just got big big pools so mm. it, it makes sense given mm. the I guess the the long-standing tradition of Belgian brewing yeah, mm. makes sense to a certain extent. The other uh, interesting, not an open letter, but it was a comment on a podcast uh, in a comment comment section, and Garrett Oliver he, um, had a bit of a rant about Brewmeister, the Scottish brewery who allegedly make the strongest beer, which has been tested and it's not the strongest beer by a long way. 
And what was the official ABV? Did you do s- sixteen or something? Really? Yeah. yeah. Really. Not even close. Were they saying sixty-five? Yeah. That's yeah. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. That's not even close. Hey, what, so hang on a second. How does they? How do they get such a differential? I think I don't know. Okay. I think they're just dishonest. So they just said they just said they got the world's strongest beer, and it's not even close. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you know, uh, rant worthy. Um, but in Garrett Oliver's rant, he also mentioned, um, he alluded to punk brewers mm-hmm. and said they weren't punk rock and brewing under the sea, something, something is not cool and just gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Which I actually totally agree with. <laughs> as much as I love Brewdog, their shtick's getting a bit old. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> every time it's essentially the same thing. It is. And, and they're, est- they're well enough established to just brew and just let the beers speak for themselves but it's just well, they so constant and just yeah it gets monotonous it, it's interesting seeing a brewer come out publicly and take shots mm. at another brewer um, you don't see that at all mm. um, so yeah I, and seeing it in the form of comment on the internet rather than a a formal edit. statement or something like that yeah, yeah, it's, interesting. yeah. it's a good point but mm. Mm. Uh, Brewdog are also in the media the Portman group which is the sort of what are they, the anti... Also the liquor... Uh, like the liquor commission or something to that extent, yeah. 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 In the UK, in the UK, and they were taking issue with Brewdog's... Um, the description of... I think it was Dead Pony. Yeah. Dead Pony yeah. yeah. So it's sort of, you know, drink it quickly or whatever the description uses. And then Brewdog came out with a statement saying, um, we're sorry, we don't give a shit what the Portman Group mm. says. Yeah, which is just more Brewdog being yeah. Brewdog. Yeah. Mm. Um, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the story, just think back to any other story about that in the recent past, and it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah we've, we've probably talked about them too much on the podcast in the past. I think we have. Um, yeah. Anything else? Um, catch-up sort of stuff. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I've been in sort of like a bank account preservation mode for the upcoming Good Beer Week. Mm. I think everyone has it's yeah it's I think it's the calm before the storm it's mm. yeah it's been pretty mellow and just this week there's been a lot of a lot of stuff coming in and yeah just all the kegs starting to arrive and it's it's going to be a big one it's gonna yeah. Be good. yeah yeah I was looking through the events um, sort of the last few days doing a bit of a write up on my site and there's stuff that I hadn't noticed and I was like man if I had a saw that I would have booked it straight away. Yeah, because like so many good things. I'm sure it's the same thing that you do, but like once once I booked something in, I just forgot about that day altogether. I didn't look any further into it. Mm. Or um, yeah, but it's probably good for like the preservation of sanity though to do that because you can't cater to every whim. No, of a good 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 beer week guide. And you want to get around to I, I want to get around to the sort of free you know takeovers and mm. um, pint of origin. Absolutely, I think that'll be what this particular good beer week is going to be about for me at least. Hmm. And Gabs as well. Um, at the end, <laughs> I'm going to go to Catfish every day after work. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Catfish one. Um, for people that I guess don't know, it's the Yeasty Boys from New Zealand doing a pop-up bar where they're bringing out a whole bunch of breweries that you can't get in Australia normally. Um, so it's Hallatau, Panhead, Panhead, yeah, Oh, it's going to be um, great. Yeah, Townsend, who we've talked yeah. about on the podcast, we're both fans of Hot Water Brewing. Um, it brings cans over. Cans of barley wine. Yeah, uh, no Got barley those wine. Cans? No, that's a shame. They're pale and they're porter. The barley wine's conditioning. It's conditioning. Conditioning, Dave. <laughs> um, I've got a big soft spot for hot water brewing. Um, 
he used to brew, Dave used to brew in my hometown, and his pale ale was just outstanding. Um, it's one of those beers that brewers kind of had as their favourite beer. Like it didn't kind of get the um, attention of everyone, but you know, you hear Luke from, uh, sorry, Kelly from Epic or Yeasty Boys, and that was always kind of their favourite beer. And so I'm really looking forward to trying the uh, canned versions at his new brewery. Awesome. Um, and also Halitao, everyone's pretty excited about that. Yeah, with, <laughs> with good reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to get along to that every, at the end of every night. Maybe uh, try a few good ones. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, we'll come back and we'll chat to Chris um, a bit more about slow beer and um, maybe some of your events. And also, we want to talk about bottles that go a little bit unloved on your shelves. Yeah, sure. Cool. Cool. Welcome back, everyone. We have just opened our second beer. Listeners who listened to last week might uh, remember us. I very, very proudly tweeted a picture of what we were just about to crack open, and it was not to be. Yeah, so this is the um, Owa Sakura Lambic, which is a cherry blossom lambic. Japanese guy who lives in Belgium has um, started making beer there using a lot of Japanese ingredients. Uh, This one is... Number 762 of 1,000 bottles. I think he's upping production. I think the next run's going to be a bit bigger. Um, but yeah, it's a, a pretty interesting and exciting beer. Um, Last week we didn't have a corkscrew, so we couldn't enjoy this particular I'm glad one. I came in this week. <laughs> <laughs> would have been shattered if that had happened last we week. We were pretty shattered, yeah. <laughs> It's really interesting. Um, just uh, on Friday when we discussed what beers we should we bring in, um, we, we had this and then Luke said oh I can bring that Lambic in Chris is worthy <laughs> <laughs> great yeah if you're a lesser, if you're a lesser guest you wouldn't have got this <laughs> great but this is kind of remarkable though it's got like a real I think Chris you said that it's like a cinnamon like apple juice mm, sort of like, like an apples, apple. yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. which is strange for Lambic yeah. mm. um, taste wise it's really lemony and I don't think it's super sour yeah, it's kind of tart up front it is quite lemony. Mm. It's interesting. It s- certainly is. I'm not sure if I love it, but I want to drink more of it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I maybe it needs to be a little bit more sour, but how fresh is it? Um, I think this is 2013. It's oh, funny. <laughs> there's a bit of a disconnect between like it smells amazing, and it even smells quite tart. But then on the palate, it's it's a lot mellower. Mm. Um, mm. But it's yeah, it's quite quite tasty. It's pretty interesting, yeah. Mm. So best before is March 20, 2016, and I think they put three years on their bottling dates. Um, I'm pretty sure. It's I one of those ones where I feel like I haven't worked it any further out with each sip, and I'll get to the end of it and still be not much of the wiser mm. <laughs> about what I've just yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, sour beers are quite often the case. That's the case with me. Um, when I first tried a Cantillon, and I got to the end, I'm like, I don't really know what that was. I want to drink more of it. I'm not sure if I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, that kind of started my love. Yeah, it's not like they they don't really develop... The more you drink it, it's not like they develop complexity as such. Like, everything's there. You just kind of got to get your head around mm. it. Yeah, mm. it's, yeah, yeah it's, exactly it's an interesting right. one. And, yeah, as you say, it's just... Well, by all 
you know, why why would you enjoy drinking it? <laughs> I gave one to a mate one time. He's like, it tastes like bile. I'm like, well, kind of, yeah, but it's really refreshing. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> you want to drink more. It gets your taste buds kind of going, and it's yeah, yeah, it's it's very odd. But this, it's this is definitely like unlike huge. anything I've had before. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the first time Emma had ever had a, a Cantillon. Uh, was when the first time I had one she said it tastes like garbage uh, and gave me the rest of hers sorry she's con- she's confirming it tastes like rotten cabbage rotten cabbage and what a frame of reference where did the rot- like yeah why would you detect what rotten cabbage tastes like oh dear okay she just knows what rotten cabbage tastes like so okay <laughs> fair enough that's good enough for me um, and then I think about two years later on, or maybe a year later, well, two years, I ordered another bottle and we shared it and not telling him it was the same one that she said smelled like rotten cabbage. Sorry, taste, tasted like rotten cabbage. <laughs> um, and she loved it. So it's interesting how yeah, palates change. Yeah, I think you just, I think it really takes, you just need to get your head around it. Yeah, I think for yeah. me it was forced upon me because... Uh, I'd had a few different sours, and then I went to that um, Cantillon tasting during Good Beer Week. That was remarkable. And, um, like, the little variations and this, that was really forced upon me. Um, And it was fantastic. It was, like, an amazing event, really. Remembering that event, there was, like, a 2007 Lou Pep Mm -hmm. and, like, a Creek. But some of the really early ones, I don't know if you recall, but there was, like vast variance bottle to bottle of the same batch yeah I think it, so uh, like we had like a open discussion about the beers we were trying and then some schmuck on the table across was saying things that just were not happening and I was like what's this guy talking about and then I found out he was like someone who really should know exactly what he's tasting mm. but then they brought the bottle over and we tasted his and it was a completely different experience to what we Validated, had so. yeah. yeah so there was yeah two bottles there's two different sides of a long table and each side had a different bottle and there was a remarkable difference mm. between the two bottles you know same year um, particularly with the older ones that was yeah it? yeah mm. and I, there are, has been some bottle variation i know um fufone has a lot of bottle variation if you're lucky enough to have yeah. multiple <laughs> bottles from the one batch. <laughs> so the, the one the bottle we got this year was, was really unpleasant. And oh, that's annoying. That's, that's going to be my post-run Melbourne beer. So. Uh, well, a lot of... Uh, and I'm probably in the minority. A lot of people said how much they enjoyed it. Unpleasant in... It had a really weird... Um, almost like you've bitten down on the stone of a, an apricot. Okay. And, you know, that, that kind of bitterness, that almost walnutty bitterness you get. Yeah. Um, and it dominated the beer and it was just really unpleasant. We had tried it at the brewery the same batch before it was sort of released and it was amazing like it was just one of the bit tastiest beers I've ever had and then I was so excited to get it over here and then it was unpleasant mm. well I imagine mm. I guess that's the tyranny of this and particularly with lamb it's like the fruit I imagine dropped off pretty pretty quick I yeah thought. yeah um, yeah um, so we brought Chris along um, I, we thought it'd be a uh, an interesting discussion to talk about beers that you typically get overlooked on shelves. It's something that I, I look around slow I think beer. we sort of like uh, mentioned it, we've touched on it in the past yeah. on the show, but we haven't really delved into it. So yeah. Um, and it might be fun to have someone with a vast experience of it help us out a bit because we yeah. don't really know what we're talking about often. Um, and it's, yeah, looking around slow beer, there's a lot of 
beers sitting there that I wonder why they are not being snapped up. Mm. So do I. It's, yeah, and it's taken it's taken a while. Like how long? Have you what five or six years I've been doing it for and it's taken a while to kind of work out what sells and what doesn't mm. uh, and still sometimes I'll just be like why isn't anyone buying this it's so good but it's there's usually a lot of factors like labeling it shouldn't play a big role but it does mm-hmm. and it's just retail craft beer is really tough people are really apprehensive mm. like if you've got a crazy beer on tap um, and it's good because now that we've got both we've got taps and we've got bottles as well whereas in the past we just had the bottles so it's interesting seeing that direct comparison if you've got something weird on tap people are so much more willing to have it because it's it's kind of secondary to what they're doing they've come in for a beer it's more social Hmm. so if they don't really enjoy it it's not the end of the world Whereas if you're trying to sell them a bottle for takeaway, it better be good or like... Mm. <laughs> yeah, but also like a bit, it's, it's a bit less of a commitment having a glass. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's bottle. just, yeah, yeah it's, it's funny. It's the, the whole kind of shared experience, as you're sort of saying, it's, yeah. you know, we're at home, you're kind of, you're stuck with a beer that you don't like. Yeah, Whereas yeah. There's a lot more riding on it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so it's funny in that respect. So do we, uh, is there any that sort of spring to mind that, that um, you are confused by that don't sell? Yeah, there's an Italian brewery. Italian craft, I've got a really soft spot for um because i think given out of the really major wine producing countries they're one of the they've got a really great craft culture Hmm. um and it's really vibrant and really enjoyable and we see it a little bit here Birra del borgo gets a lot of time here um and i think because leo has been here quite a bit and i also think they were given initially a little bit more credibility because of the the connections with Dogfish Head. Mm, that definitely, I think that yeah, has yeah. helped them quite a bit. Um, but there's one extra Omnes, which you might have seen. The, la- it's the dog on the yeah, label. Yeah. They're not the best labels, but their beers are excellent. Um, they do mainly kind of farmhousey styles. They do a really good kind of dry hops, Belgian sort of pale ale. Mm. Um, we had it on tap. It was gone in a couple of hours. We have bottles all the time. Just sit there. Same beer. It's just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, the regular extra Omnes... Saison is really, really good. Well, this one, the one that I particularly like is the Zest. Mm. The Zest oh, is excellent. Yeah. And yeah. their Coffee Imperial Stout is amazing as well. There's some really great stuff. But like I said, I think I think labels play a big part, um, which is a shame. They sh- it shouldn't, but it does. It's important. <laughs> it, it is important, and I think people, there are some pretty bad labels out there. I was, I was sitting um, with yeah. some, some of Emma's co-workers who are graphic designers, and one of them was looking around and he said, there's only one or two labels here that I like the look of. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I often think that. And it's, without sounding too negative, but you look at the Kiwi beers that are around and they've, you know, a, as a whole, the labels are sharp. They look great. They're consistent. You look at a lot of the local ones and there's only a few specific breweries that really have it down. Hmm. Um, not to say the others are bad, but they're very safe hmm. um, for the most part, which, you know, I guess... You know, each to their own. Not everyone needs to do edgy kind of labels, I No, suppose. but I think also when you walk into a place like Slow Beer, for example, when there's mm. just loads of different bottles and it's like a sensory overload if you're shopping, you need to stand yeah, out. You need, you do need to stand out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's one that I wanted to check with you how long it's actually been sitting there. Well, I don't think it's been there long. I, I'm wondering if it's moving or if it's because people don't know what it is. Mm. The Alesmith Speedway Stout... You would be surprised. Because you always have bottles of it on your shelf. We do. And it's not it's not a huge mover, but given its price, we go through quite oh, a okay. bit. Like it's out of any of any comparable 
comparable beers of that in that price range, we move the most of that. Because that on the sort of the rankings website, very high. It's yeah. always like top ten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's probably only one or two other beers on your shelves that are as high as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Rochford ten ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I said, okay, it's good to know that it is moving. It does move, yeah, Yeah, surprisingly so. Yeah, like I said, out of all the beers at that thirty to forty price point, it it moves the most easily. I remember um, one day I went into into slow beer, and I think I just sort of finished a project at work, and I was in a celebratory kind of mood, and I said to you, I need, I just give me three amazing beers. That's what I want tonight. Just three amazing beers, and there Take were three. My money. Were, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and there were three beers that I'd never really heard of. It was probably almost two years ago now, mm. and one of them I remember you had just the shelf was just full of them. It was a 2010 Panapot from Distress, and yeah, that sort of nice. that particular one just like sat on your shelf for a long time, and mm. it was there. Well, in fairness, we did like I stocked up on that because I knew it's impossible to get, mm. and I knew we'd sell it. So there yeah, was quite the a bit of that. The price point was good. It was good, and I hadn't heard. It was before Lucas just ranted and <laughs> raved about that particular beer. Um, since then, I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, but that was <laughs> really, really excellent beer, and it's just one that. I don't know. Just maybe because if you don't know about it, that's the thing. You're not going to take a part in it, maybe. And and it's a very unassuming label. Mm -hmm. It's it's another one. And I think I know Luke. You're mad about the Oakham stuff. Yeah, that's another one. The labels are dreadful. Yeah, their labels are pretty terrible. Have you actually? If you get some time, or if you can even be bothered, look at their website. Yeah, I've looked at it. (laughs) It is absolutely dreadful. But their beers are excellent. It's just so. Yeah, their beers don't tastes like you think they're going to because they're no. you know they've been around for ages they do a lot of real ale and their labels are terrible you're like i can't know what this is probably going to be and then you drink a citra or and a green devil really vibrant it's really yeah yeah. yeah yeah but there has to be a time where like the reputation precedes the label because someone mm. like russian river they just brandish comic sans all over the labels true, actually, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. would be like it should be death mm. and no one would care at all yeah. about that yeah i mean you think though i guess like Dogfish Head are a good example where their labels look like clip art. They're terrible. And, yeah, again, they sell really well. And it's, I think part of it is they have a few beers that get really popular and it's that sort of steam train of, of hype. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that they do bad beers at all, but there's that kind of, yeah, that, that people know that they do, you know, Pliny or a 90-minute IPA and then they just want to get everything. Yeah. So you can kind of... Mm-hmm. A lot of the... Well, I don't know. It's I guess we only get a select like a, a certain a small sample size of American stuff here but there is a lot of stuff that has some really terrible labels from the US like the Ballast Point stuff like mm. I guess it's relative to the location of the brewery but they've all got fish and yeah. stuff on there well. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess if you're from that area it's an identifier but for everyone yeah. else it's just I don't know <laughs> they're, not, yeah, they're not the most appealing labels around the um, other one that I know Emma hates <coughs> the labels of um, the Hand Brigger I can never say it. Hanbrigger Reed. Mm. Uh, um, I don't understand what their labels are trying to do. They're, they're like quite like confusing, like graphically. Yeah, <laughs> they have modernised them though. For a time, they were just like white with black text. It was black and white, yeah. but black ink printed on a white. On a white, and you would think they're all the same beer. Yeah, they all look and go, no, there's the nine same. of them here. Actually. So they have yeah. modernised them, but they're still. They're like weird, like yellows and stuff that sort of like <laughs> can't really focus on correctly. Yeah. Um, and how do, how do they sell? I'm curious about those. Um, 
Some sell really well, like the Norwegian wood sells mm. very well. The Sun, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Sunland Creosote or something like that, which is like a smoked black IPA mm. that sells really well. Um, some of their lambics do quite well, but you know, you just kind of pick and choose. If you were to have, you know, six of their beers on the shelves, you wouldn't get through them all. I think that sort of like two. kicks off a conversation we started earlier about like the non-English labels getting overlooked where they mm, probably yeah. shouldn't. We're even like a little bit of, just looking a little bit further. Yeah. Um, for like the importer's label across where you might find out more about the beer. Mm. Um, would encourage you to take a chance on them. But mm. uh, yeah, I mentioned that... But McKellar uh, quite often has no English on his labels. That's very true. And yeah. they yeah. sell. Again, that's like more hype <coughs> driven than mm. um, just people going, oh, I might try that gibberish that I mean a lot of his labels look really bright and, mm. and that, yeah, um, yeah, interesting yeah, as well which and so I guess same with Tuo you know they some of their labels are amazing yeah uh, they're always very interesting mm. yeah. but one of the ones that I mentioned was uh, the Amaga they like often I'll be keen to try them because I've got a pretty good track record with me but we don't know what they are mm. going to be their regular so. their regular range the labels are pretty average but the Cine series is quite interesting mm-hmm. as, a, true, as yeah. a whole they look well and they're, they're easily the best selling out of the, the range of Amagas just because they they look better and there's consistency and you know sort of what it is mm-hmm. I guess to a certain extent they're, yeah they're one brewery that every time I try it I really enjoy it mm. but I never think to to buy it and I might possibly the labeling, labeling where you look at it go, I don't know what this is mm. um and given so much choice here, it's, it's hard to justify something as a punt. Yeah, and that's often what it is. And that's yeah, like I was saying before, you, you've got you have the same beer on tap, and you just fly through it. People don't even blink an eyelid, and you, you know you, you got to work really hard to sell the same beer in bottle. It's yeah, it's, um, it's frustrating, but it's you know, it's the way it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The Australian one um, that I think it's probably a favourite of mine and probably Dave's and I think it's a favourite of yours as well Chris the um, Billy B's yes. oh. Golden yeah. Apple yeah. Um, and I've six months ago you know I was in the shop terrible label our producer <laughs> just says <laughs> um, six months ago I was in the shop and with people that you know friends of ours who have been involved with beer for ages and I sort of said oh you know get one of those they were wondering what to buy and they said oh what is it I'm like oh wait I thought everyone just knew but I think beer. that's also because like you're what, one of two retailers that gets yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't. It's they fly under the radar. It's yeah, and they've been like it's we've not been just available in one in way or places. another. Where I've been, we've been stocking it for like you know eight years. But it's, it's one of like the most remarkable ages, yeah. ranges of beers yeah. that you'll ever have. And I think it might be the punt as well because people don't know what to expect by mm. what mm. the description of that particular yeah. um, beer is. But man, is that does that sell? <coughs> it does. Interestingly or? enough, more, and I guess we do have it in the small kind of cider section, and it is, they're, they're a cidery, you mm. know, um, so it is more cider than beer, I suppose. But we sell, aside from people who know it, um, I guess beer nerds that know it, we sell it mainly to cider drinkers. And yeah. they like, because it's got a little bit of sweetness, it's got a little bit of tartness. Um, by and large, it's, an, it's a cider, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, we sell quite a bit of it. But um, more so to people seeking out cider, not even necessarily interesting ciders or farmhouse ciders, just because it has that little bit of everything. Yeah, and it kind of yeah, it, it kind of does the job mm. for people. I want to get me some Billy Bees. I mean, I, I guess if people aren't familiar with it, that are listening, it's um, Thorgoods, 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 cidery um, in South Australia, and then they they brew a beer, which no one's really sure. So, so I think what they do. He, 
I've heard bits it's of bits from people. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's closely guarded. It's basically a cider, spontaneously fermented, apparently, with just apples, skins, whatever, uh, and uses malt extract, apparently. Um, so there's a golden and there's a dark. The golden uses like maybe a crystal malt extract, um, and the dark uses a dark malt extract. Um, so you get with the golden, you get this big kind of caramelly sort of sweetness on the mid palate and but then you've got this really funky kind of and then it finishes with a big sort of tartness as well um, and then the dark one's more that kind of a little bit of stringent kind of roasty dark malt but then the acidity as well so mm. um, yeah malt so it's more cider than beer I, I suppose but it does have that malt character coming through mm. Mm. anything else that springs to mind that uh um oft overlooked perhaps yeah i guess they're the main ones though yeah like a lot of italian stuff um, that yeah I guess as you say um, if they're not in English uh, or is it's, if it's not easily recognisable it's a, it's a harder sell it's impossible to ask you a question about <laughs> what the particular beer might be to find out mm. so yeah. <laughs> it's funny though there's a, an importer that does a lot of everything a lot of Italian stuff a lot of Danish stuff a lot of English stuff and now they have because when you import products into the country it's legally you have to have the importer sticker and standard drinks and that sort of thing. They also have a sticker that basically says what it is, if it doesn't say it on the label, um, what style it is, and also references uh, rate beer and mm. gives the rating um, and the style, which is interesting. It's I don't know whether too many people actually look at it, but it's there if you want to use it. Um, and if you've got to label it anyway, go to the extra effort just to give it a, a little yeah, bit more information and it might make, make the sale a little bit easier, yeah, I guess. Exactly. I think high rate beer ratings, people are going to jump on pretty quickly, mm. aren't they? Mm. Um, yeah. And it's almost a shame because there are beers that you look on rate beer that have not a great rating, which are a great beer. Depends yeah. how much value you put into well, it. Well, that's the thing. And, and often you get a beer that's like, you know, 98 or 95 for overall, but it's like 50 for style. Mm. If you're in that Imperial Stout IPA style, it's going to be hard to be, you know, top four style. But overall, yeah. it's obviously a great beer, but relative to all these other hyped stouts mm. and IPAs it's yeah it goes under the radar to a certain extent but the rating's still good um, I heard a bottle shop opener, uh, owner sorry um, a while ago complain that customers were coming in looking at bottles and then looking them up on their phone and he's like I'm standing right here just ask me and I can tell you what's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I guess it goes both ways I guess it depends on the shop sometimes staff may not know so maybe they're they're mm. used to people not knowing sometimes people just want to find things out themselves. I can just imagine just also the shopkeep would see someone looking it up on their phone and go oh why are they just asking me then they come over and they say excuse me do you have wi-fi here so <laughs> <laughs> rather than asking the actual question <laughs> yeah. yeah it's ah uh, i don't know it's yeah people and particularly if they're going presumably they're going to uh, a, a site like Rape Beer or something like that. So if they know of that and they reference that, they're probably re- relatively happy to be inquisitive and do it themselves anyway. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I guess there are there any other beers, Dave, that you had in mind for, for such a discussion? Um, good. I wonder, are there any Aussie ones that get overlooked? Ah. Uh, no, I don't think so. Nothing that ever really surprises me in terms of it being a little bit slower or... Yeah, no, not, not no, really. I'm trying to think. I can't think of any Aussie ones. Should have done my homework. Um, yeah. Do you have any more that you thought of? Not really. There's one, the, another Belgian one, the... Oh, I can't remember what they're called now. The Doctor, I think. D-O-C-H. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
they've got a I think you've got a, an Imperial Stout on your shelves at the moment. I think the Chabon, the yeah, smoked vanilla. Yeah. I actually haven't had that one. I think it's gone now, so I've missed my chance to have it. Oh, but I, um, I heard it was quite good. Yeah, and that so was, was I think good. one that I thought of because mm. it was sort of sitting there and yeah, um, it's looking lonely. Yeah, yeah, and mm. I, you know, if people knew how good it was, they they might jump on board. But you know, it works for me because I can get it relatively <laughs> easily. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Australian stuff, yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, doesn't, I don't There's no like crime, is there? Where like you go, I can't believe that it's still sitting there mm. as it is. I don't know. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's jump out of that conversation. Fair enough. Uh, what are you thinking of this beer now? I'm still not sure. Yeah, I'm like still trying to figure it out a little bit. Our producer said it's yummy. Okay. What do you like about our producer? Tart but refreshing. Mm. Just wants to keep drinking it. I mean, I it's hard to argue with that, isn't it? It's pretty, pretty accurate. I uh, think it's sort of like um, sort of melded together with a little bit of, was warmed up a little bit, but still, I want to have like three bottles of it. So <laughs> I, <can't figure> it <laughs> yeah. um, I would love to get some food involved with this beer. Uh, I don't know. What are you thinking? Cheese is a pretty obvious one. Maybe some pork. dessert. Yeah, I was thinking pork. pork would, yeah. Even yeah. like spicy pork. Yeah, like. yeah. Mm, um, Szechuan pork and that would be a treat mm, mm. man I'm getting hungry Pretty now hungry, yeah. um, so good beer weeks coming up uh, Chris you have two venues now Turo and Slow yes. Beer yeah, yeah what a hectic week it's going to be for you oh yeah yeah it's mm. <laughs> 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 it'll be it'll be a long week it'll be a good week but it'll be a long week what's so the first event off the block for you uh, for, oh gosh uh, well I guess Two Row has Pine of Origin uh, oh, yeah. uh, okay. Rest of the World which uh, should be good um, Pine of Origin's good it's pretty from a venue operator point of view it's it's pretty easy I guess um, we'll be open longer than we usually will so the hours will be long what are the hours going to be? Uh, from midday midday hmm. till Every 10, day? 11 okay. as opposed to 4 so uh, the uh, days will be longer beer and a cheese toasty for for lunch sounds pretty good yeah. after oh, a good beer yeah, week yeah. um, so for the, you've got five taps there how many beers are you going to be rotating throughout the week uh, well, probably the five I think the f- all the five will be um, but depending on if we shoot through things then we might just put on some other crazy stuff um, cool. if we if we go through things quicker than anticipated um, but I guess rest of the world gives us the flexibility to do that to a certain extent I suppose um, so in that respect rest of the world um, so, so who does that exclude so it's Australia New Zealand yep uh, America. Is there a Danish? Is there a, the mm, Park Hotel is doing a Danish advantage? So it's, it's essentially Canadian, Japanese, 961, I guess, and then we might sneak a few other. A few other fun ones? Okay. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the world, after all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll yeah. head down to Turo and see yeah. what's going on down there. Yeah, and the, the other event at Turo is sold out, so. Yeah, the one with Hendo, which yeah. um, actually Hendo Hendo wanted to do, so we just kind of like, yeah, all yours. He, um, so he's kind of organised it all. But it's basically looking at fresh beer infections, and he's basically conducted uh, experiments with his own beers uh, and some other beers. I think he's got a case of Heineken or something. Mm. He's going to skunk and just that sort of stuff to kind of really say, you know, drink fresh, drink local, um, and this is what shouldn't be acceptable um, in beers from overseas or even local beers if they've been sitting around for a certain amount of time. And if your beer tastes like this, it's a problem. Yeah, Mm. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. Um, And then at Slow Beer, we've got the Garage Project 
uh, tap takeover again something from a venue operator point of view something that's a little bit easier but people will still come to because the beers are amazing mm. um, last year we did is that for the whole week mm. yeah, it's starting on the, on the Wednesday so the guys are in the brewers are in on the Wednesday and the beers will go on then and then they'll stay on until they're done I guess um, so probably maybe half the week yeah. Do we know what the beers are yet, or uh, can you say? I do, yeah, I do. Um, so we've got, so basically the guys wanted to look at what they've done for previous Good Beer Weeks and basically recreate it and, and reimagine it, I guess. So we've got um, Death From Above, which is, they did last year, um, which was their, basically an IPA with mango, Vietnamese mint, chili. Mm-hmm. Um, they've souped that up and they've put it in rum barrels. <sighs> Yeah, Jesus. so that'd be an interesting. How do you one. soup up that particular? Just beer? add an extra flavour into that. Why not? Yeah, yeah. So we're interested to see how that. <laughs> what kind of rum? I'm not entirely sure whether it be white rum, spice rum. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, and death from a no, sorry, death from a uh, day of the day dead. Of the dead. Yeah. yeah, so they're doing triple day of the dead. Um, day of the dead is what they did for Good Beer Week two years ago. I think it was um, double day of the dead. Yeah, yeah. For the right, actual actually. Gabs event. Yeah. So now it's um, going to be triple. So this one's triple. So again, souped up and they've aged this one in tequila barrels which Jesus. makes sense because it's a chipotle, yeah. mm. chocolate, spiced, That's gonna be black lager. So there's those two. Yeah. And the other two I can't remember off the top of my head but they're the main the ones that I'm most sort of excited about. Those beers alone are going to get people oh, yeah. venturing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, hearing that I'm probably just going to pop in. Well, Definitely that's the thing, and it's um, Abby Calabi's the same night as well, so I think people will do the double, and mm. yeah, so it's, no, it should be good, should be good. Anything else going on? No, not for, I'll try and get around to some events, yep. but, I'll, well, I'll try my best to see how I go, I guess, but, um, yeah, like I said. You can get around to events while you're running two venues during Good Beer Week. Uh, I'll <laughs> try. have to forfeit eating and sleeping, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can only try. <laughs> do you, uh, previous years, do you, were you able to get around to events or you've kind of... Uh, no, not really. Not really. Um, I d- I've gone to Gabs every time and I'll go to Gabs again this year. Because uh, also, I think last year uh, you had a pretty like hands-on event, didn't you? Like yeah, and that's and that's why I was saying yeah. this year I wanted to kind of just keep things a little bit easier because um, it's a hectic week as it is just with general trade. It's a busy, mm. busy week. Um, so having to run around and organise all the events and so just, yeah, let the beers speak for themselves this time around cool. and make things a little bit easier for me, particularly with two venues. So, yeah, mm. yeah. I know a lot of people <coughs> that are coming from interstate quite often make slow beer their first stop to stock up on stuff yeah, they definitely. can't get. Yeah, um, yeah. So... Yeah, it's um I'm I'm really excited for Good Beer Week. Um I'd be lying if I, you know, obviously. Uh, my event sold out as well, so if you were waiting on getting a ticket too late. Too bad. Yeah. Although for the right price, I might part with my ticket, so maybe shoot us an email. <laughs> maybe Good Beer Week yeah. first, scalping. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um and we'll be recording at Gabs, which will be pretty fun. We'll be doing a couple of recordings during the week, yep. so um, we'll be busy. Yeah, um, I, well, we won't say who just yet. Oh, we'll tantalising. I mean, w- when you're trying to wrangle brewers during Good Beer Week, it's yeah, <laughs> it's not partially carrot day week as well. Like, there's just know. so much happening. If you <laughs> kind of play it by ear. You're gonna get around to. There's just so much to go. Yeah. to. you might miss out on a few because obviously. But you got to. But there's so much. Worry about there's it, so yeah. much. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. you will miss out on more than you get to. Yeah. And you're gonna deal with it and move on. Yeah. Mm. So, you've been um, Chris involved with with craft beer for probably longer than most in in Melbourne. I think so. Um, you were the mm. first. Yeah, beer only shop. one way or another, yeah, probably what, 
maybe eight years or so. so it has been a while, yeah. 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 So talking about um, you know, Good Beer Week and, and what's happening this year, and you know, you've kind of seen that change from you know your sort of slow beer um, and then growing into two-row and also I guess Good Beer Week and all that. What's the, um, I guess what are the main differences you've noticed about the drinkers themselves? The drinkers themselves, I don't think, have necessarily changed too much. It's just broadened. The demographic hasn't necessarily changed. It might have, it might have changed a little bit at either end, at the younger end and the older end. But I think it's just, it's more widespread. There's just more awareness of it. I think is the, is the big thing. Um, and like we were talking about unloved beers before, um, Canty. I mean, we were speaking about Cantillon as well. Back when I first started, Cantillon Fafoon would sit on the shelves because people mm. didn't know what it was. And now, you know, we get one case of six bottles shelf, and right? it's gone yeah. before. I, I yeah. would get an email and say, I hear Cantillon's on the water from a customer. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll be getting some. Details. I don't Whatever know when, happens, but yeah. I'll put you down for some. So it's just, yeah, it's... Things have changed quite a bit. It's, I, it's, yeah. I think I asked you the other week about um, the Avignon, which yes. we used to get and now yeah. hasn't been in Australia for a couple of yeah. years. Well, Cantillon just generally, like we probably get into Australia maybe three shipments a year and mm. they're so small and everyone wants them. I think that's, that's the big thing. Before the shipments were probably the same size, but only maybe four outlets around the country would stock them. Mm. Now a lot more want them uh, and it's just, yeah, they're, they're pretty scarce. Um, There's still a couple on shelves if you know where to look. Uh, I'm not going to give up anything just yet. <laughs> um, well, the Tilkin Gers, which is the sort of newer blendery out of mm. out of Belgium, um, it's probably a bit more sour than a, than a Cantillon. Is that are people sort of interested in that, or are they not? I guess it's a little bit on the priciest. Oh, well, they've got a small bottle now, don't they? They do have the yeah. small bottle, but mm. the small bottle's about 16 to 18, depending on where you get it, which mm. isn't, isn't really? unreasonable for a Lambic, but when you can get three Fontaine in for like 12, or Lindemann's for 10, the, mm. the, the, the Cuvée the Cuvée Reine, as opposed to the really fruity sweet ones. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I, are three Fontaine selling quicker than they used to? Uh, they are, and I guess they do have an excellent reputation. And I think, again, that price point kind of helps mm. things along Yeah, that's, that's so yeah, cheap. We do sell truckloads. And even the one, the Armand and Tom blend, yeah. which is in the big bottle, it's about 30-odd dollars. People just grab them. And mm. <laughs> there's one guy, from an American guy, that um, gets them, and I think he gets them and trades them because yeah. people can't get them in the U.S. Yeah. So, he, you know, he sends them back home to friends and that sort of stuff So um, just because, you know, they can't get them. I hang around on a couple of trading forums and yeah we our access to some of the that stuff yeah. is, is far better than than american access and also the price points yeah uh I've on par yeah. um you know when you get well, that's interesting yeah, yeah. so you, you compare say sierra nevada pale there to here and we're paying triple probably more than that um than what they paid but our canteen or, or most of the belgium stuff is about the same Certainly price priced, yeah. um so yeah. i think yeah, it's interesting um hmm Anything else you want to add, Chris? Uh, No, not off the top of my head. Um, (laughs) Not so much. Just got to energise ourselves for the upcoming week. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I've finished my beer and just wrap this up. I've finished mine too, so let's get out of here. Well, we'll come back with some recommendations. Mm -hmm. Don't be so hasty, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool, we'll see everyone in a couple of seconds. Welcome back, everyone. 
Uh, shout out to Toehider again for providing our music that you enjoy in between. It really segments. is generous, isn't it? It is generous. Um, they've got. We've given them nothing. We've given them a lot of shout outs. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, exposure. No. I I donated a broad broad exposure. Yeah. I donated to their um, Kickstarter. Did you? Yeah, I'm getting a a t-shirt and a CD. Um, so you're still getting something from it, though. Yeah, so I don't really yeah. donate. It's actually <laughs> a, a really good deal. I'm getting a lot of stuff, um, but they're awesome. Yeah, if you if, if check out their their music, if you're not into them, cool. Have you heard of them? Um, all right, so we've just kind of recommended it's a whole. Pretty bunch much of been beer. a show of beer recommendations. So yeah, so we're we axe that. Yeah, from this particular part of the show. So we'll do a, a non-beer recommendation. What have we got? I was going to be one thing, and then last night I had a Freaks and Geeks beer from Moondog slash beer here that had been in my cellar for a couple of years, which was... If anyone's got that still... It's terrible. I don't know. Um, send it in. Send it in to us, and we'll <laughs> give you something. Because what, what, what was... What was the beer? That's it's it's smoked like a farmhouse. Memories. Smoked rye, right. farmhouse. Yeah. Um, so it's black, really smoky. Oh, it's it's so funky now. Um, not you know not sour, obviously, but just kind of. Oh, it's um, everything's come together. I had my last one about three months ago, and it was outstanding. Mm. Yep, um, I, I am really going to try and find more bottles of it because it was one of the one of the best beers I've had this year. Um, but uh, while I was drinking it, I thought I'd watch some Freaks and Geeks, the TV show. Relevant. Yeah. yeah I like that. <laughs> uh, what a good show that is. You, you haven't seen it before? No, I've seen it before. I've watched ah, it through yeah, a couple of times, yeah. and maybe every couple of years I'll go re- back mm. and revisit it. That's great. Um, so I watched the first episode last night, and even the first episode, it's just, for a pilot, it's a, um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I, it is great. Have you, are you familiar with it, Dave? I remember, um, I haven't watched it like with the any sequence, but it used to be on free to air TV at like, 12.30 a.m. So, mm. like, if, if ever I was up, I'd chuck an episode on and always quite enjoyed it. But, mm. yeah, I should give it its full attention it deserves. When you And you look at the cast, you know, a lot of them are superstars now, yeah. basically. Mm. Um, and it's just so clever. It's an interesting, clever, and, and really funny show. Um, so, yeah. Good rec. If you, if you haven't watched it, make sure you go and watch it. Dave? Um, mine's going to be a bit... Oh, I guess that's a series you've done, so I'll do a series as well. But um, if anybody hasn't watched the ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries that are on, well, ESPN, obviously, um, and you're like a sports fan of any kind, do what you can to find any of them because ESPN know how to make documentaries mm. and they're all absolutely phenomenal. They tend to... I think they do produce a lot of them themselves, but they also get like guest directors in to produce a um, documentary on something of their choice and some of them are just absolutely staggering and the one that I watched um, last night I caught the last half hour of uh, a two hour documentary it was the Hillsborough disaster and then we should have discussed this before because right. that was actually going to be my recommendation uh, <laughs> 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 I wondered where you were going with this as soon as you said 30 for 30 I think this is great this yeah. is an independent double recommendation yeah exactly yeah. so um, <laughs> that like I had to I had to find the next showing of that on yeah. the Foxtel and I recorded it and watched it this morning in its entirety and mm. I like in it's the last excellent. 30 minutes 
I like was had yeah, tears running on my face, and I was like, "This is going to be excellent. the most compelling thing to watch mm. in its entirety." So yeah. So I'm not too familiar. I think I kind of know what you're talking about. Well, what's the? It was, what, was it 1984. Uh, it was 20 84, no, 87. Is it 25 years? Something I think it was like just recently 20. Yeah, something like that. Um, where Maybe? Uh, during it was uh, what's the stadium? It was. It was a Liverpool game. Yeah, exactly and Liverpool right. fans were crushed, and I can't remember how many died. Ninety-six people yeah. died, and there was uh, the, there was the uh, the police just let every single person in. Just that there was mm. no, um, and because uh, they used to have obviously cages at the front, and it was generally standing, not seated. It wasn't mandatory that, you, that there had to be seats, so there was just a massive crush, and people at the front just got crushed. Well, so that's tragic in itself. <laughs> yeah. But where it became like. A despicable event is that it was pretty much covered up to absolve any responsibility from the police mm. uh, at all mm. until um, there was a team yeah 96 yeah. people so, so that's a lot of people so and what year was it was it 87 or 84 so yeah just pretty much until there was a uh, a team put together yeah, to completely yeah, yeah. Uh, investigate the the issues that's when and it was 10 years after the actual event uh, that's when the like statements changed from the police officers and when all this was uncovered um, and they got whatever retribution they could get from such an event but um, it was absolutely a heartbreaking documentary mm. uh, and it, that's one like, I mean if I watch it I'm 90% I'm going to shed tears and it's a big thing like I'm, I'm a big I'm a big football soccer nut um, and it's really ingrained in football culture it's, it's a big thing it's kind of almost kind of keeps you know it's a, it kind of draws um, particularly Liverpool supporters together it's a big kind of event in their history um, and yeah it was the anniversary recently and it just yeah it's there's one particular moment in the documentary where um, I think it was a it was like a mayor or something like that was giving a speech to it was an anniversary I think 10 years after the disaster addressing um, the issue with fans families and all that sort of stuff like mm. that and then the crowd erupted just chanting do they want justice and the guy was like he just was taken aback and he just let them let the crowd do what, what he wanted and that was like the trigger for him to put together this inquest mm. to, to uncover the truth finally but there's like there's so many of those 30 uh, that series that are just outstanding mm. watching so um, I've heard of the 30 for 30 for 30 mm. um, what does 30 mean like what's the 30. What's the 30 for 30 relevance? Yeah. Well, I don't. it wasn't called that when the first one came up. And the first one that was done, I can't think of what it was. It might have been O.J. Simpson, the first one they did, mm. um, the documentary on O.J. And then because it was so popular, I think they produced 30. Uh, okay. Doc and then, but then since then, the popularity has just gone out of control, so there's a lot more. Yeah, because I, I know through sort of reading about basketball and a lot of people reference the Alan Iverson 30 for 30 yeah Alan like Iverson one was incredible the yeah. Fab Five that was an incredible one as well yeah Benji the college kid that got shot oh yeah he was going to be the next yep. Jordan or the next Magic Johnson so yep. there's just a in, well, it's a never ending string but it's it's finite there's a, just a bit there's a lot of documentaries that are really excellent viewing I wonder if uh, I don't have ESPN I wonder if a guy like me can find them I think you can get DVD box sets oh cool so um 
there's something that I'd be co- strongly considering because they're really, really well put yeah, together. Even if you just like together. documentaries, like it's just they're just really well done, really well produced. So that's mm. my non-beer. So do you have one off the cuff? Now I that I'm well yeah, I do. I guess <laughs> as as an offshoot, like <laughs> I said, I'm a big I'm a big football nut. <laughs> t- tonight is uh, the final day of the Premier League season, mm-hmm. um, and there's always well this this year it's kind of all stitched up, but usually this is kind of a really exciting day for me I stay up and watch as many games as I can because it's basically because three teams get relegated so basically it's different to AFL obviously if, if people aren't aware um, three teams go down and then three teams from the lower division come up um, so often there's a lot of implications through games with that and goal difference comes into it so there's always so much happening it's always really hectic along and they all kick off the games always kick off at the same time so there's all this stuff happening all these different scenarios and it's just pretty crazy but so like it, all of a sudden a goal in one match can has have ramifications yeah, across yeah, the whole exactly board right. yeah. yeah so it's it's usually pretty hectic but like I said this year it's more or less stitched up I think like there are mathematical possibilities but uh, it'll be pretty much stitched yeah, up but it's still it's, it's still always nil results well, you never know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always it's always good fun to watch um, and as an Arsenal fan the following week um, we're in the FA Cup final so it's yeah. is that going to be during good beer week the FA oh, Cup final jeez yeah that'll be it'll be, it'll be Saturday night Saturday night Sunday morning so what will be happening then I'll be going to Gabs on the Sunday. That's all right. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right in the middle of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Rethinking I'll work it out. I'll work it out. <laughs> um, there's also the basketball finals happening at the moment, um, which I should mention since we're talking about finals and sport, and given Dave and I have talked about basketball before. Um, have you been watching much, Dave? Yeah, I haven't. Like, I don't have the league pass this season, but I've been watching whatever comes on ESPN and had a look at the Clippers and Thunder yesterday and that was um, a good game it was a good game so um, it's always good to see the stars perform and Blake and Durant were doing as they do and it was Mm. good watching and it was a close game until the last I don't know minute or so yeah your boy put in some good minutes Stephen Adams um, it didn't get anyone sent out of the game again he's pretty ferocious though yeah Uh, but yeah he's getting a bit of a reputation which is interesting but uh, yeah, no, that was it was a good game. Um, so I'd be, I want to see Miami's got to get challenged because yeah, I think Miami are going to walk through and come into the, the you know they're going to be playing. They'll be, they'll be so fresh, whereas all the Western teams will be grinding out seven game series and they'll be tired and injured and yeah, 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 that's irritating. Anyway, we'll see how that plays out. Mm. Um, find us on Twitter, uh, Chris. What's your uh, Twitter? Uh, yeah, at Slow Beer at Two Row Bar, I believe. Yep. Facebook, same deal. Pretty, pretty easy to get a hold of. I cool. Guess. Yeah. Um, slowbeer dot com mm. for uh, check out the shop Does online. Dot au. Dot au. Dot au. Sorry. Dot au. Yeah. Dave, you're at at Melbourne Dave. Cool. I'm at Oliver Time. Follow Pouring in Melbourne. Pouring in Melbourne. Follow Carpet Bag in Melbourne. All your carpet bag requirements across the state. Carpet Bag in Melbourne has not been updated for a while. Gee, I laughed when I saw that come up. <laughs> I had a good time. If anyone knows any hot tip o- tips on carpet bags, oh yeah, if you hear there. the tip about where a carpet bag is going down, mm. shoot that a tweet. Yeah, um, and then Luke at aleofatime dot com and Dave at aleofatime. Oh, this is getting so insufferable. Let's end the show. Yeah. Also, Emma at aleofatime dot com if you want to email our producer. All right, thanks, thanks, Chris, <laughs> for coming <laughs> in. No worries, thanks for having me, guys. Right. See you, Ron. See you later.